welcome to our Nerd Roamer series on the Gnome Serum Run of 1925. For the rest of the episodes in this series, please see nerdroamer.com or find Nerd Roamer on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all your Nerd Roamer-related updates and news, find us on Instagram and Twitter, at Nerd Roamer. Poor Charlie, the weather didn't abate for him either, so he covers 25 grueling miles, occasionally needing to stop to warm up his dogs so that they don't freeze to death, and he manages to slog through the conditions until he gets to this roadhouse in the town of Bluff. The conditions were so severe that the next relay participant, Gunnar Kossen, was shocked that Olsen had decided to push through rather than waiting for the weather. The town of Bluff was only some 50-some miles from Nome. The city had dispatched Kossen, a Norwegian like Seppala and one of his employees, as another driver. The idea was for him to cover the part from Bluff to Point Safety, which was roughly 25 miles from Nome, in order to break the last stretch into two stretches and speed the antitoxin along. Kassen was equipped with a team of 13 of Seppala's backup sled dogs, Team B as it were, and in the lead was allegedly Balto, although there was some controversy later as to whether Balto was the lead dog or another dog named Fox. The blizzard persists, and with Balto leading the team through the whiteout conditions, they make their way to the next meeting point. The weather had gotten so terrible that the city of Nome sent telegrams to the towns along Kossin's route to warn him to find shelter and wait out the storm, but with Balto leading the way along the trail, they wind up just staying on the main trail due to the low visibility and not even veering into the towns along the way in order to pick up the messages. As they crossed a flat, open area in the pitch black of night, a gust of wind caught the side of the sled and flipped it over, scattering the sled's contents, including the padded cylinder, all across the ground. The swirling snow instantly buried everything in the shifting drifts, and Kossin was forced to crawl around on his hands and knees in the dark, digging for the precious cargo. Fortunately, he is soon able to locate the cylinder, and before long the sled's back up and running. The team made excellent time. They rolled into the next station at point safety ahead of schedule at about 2 or 3 in the morning. Here is where a point of controversy arises. According to Kossin, as they approached the cabin, he saw the lights off and that there was no one ready to take over, and he figured that since he had made the previous stretch in a really reasonable amount of time and his team still seemed fresh, it would be faster for him to just continue on directly to Nome rather than take the time to wake the next driver, Ed Roan, and get his team ready. He passed by the cabin and continued on his way without stopping. According to Roan, he'd been under the impression that Kossin had been told to wait out the storm, so he was asleep, and some people have asserted that Kossin deliberately skipped the shelter at point safety in order to secure the glory for himself of delivering the serum to the town. In any case, at 5.30 a.m. on February 2nd, Kossin slides up to the doorstep of Dr. Welch in Nome and hands over the canister of antitoxin without a single vial broken. The 674-mile relay that was usually completed in 30 days had just been finished in 127 hours. By 11 a.m. that day, the antitoxin had been thawed, prepared, and was making its way into the bodies of the sick children of Nome. No more children in town would die of diphtheria that year. The epidemic largely stopped in its track, though Welch did report that it was unclear how long it lasted and exactly how many children died 
in the more outlying distant Alaskan native encampments. It's certain, however, that the antitoxin had a huge effect in bringing the epidemic under control in the region rapidly. The second batch of antitoxin arrived roughly two weeks later from the west coast. As amazing as the first relay was, the second batch of serum completed the exact same journey at almost as fast of a pace using many of the same sled drivers and dogs, who turned around after their first successful relay just to do the same thing over again. This time the state also attempted to fly half the batch to Nome by plane to satisfy those people who had been criticizing them for not attempting the plane journey before, but engine trouble meant that the newer technology never even got off the ground. Once again, the reliability of Alaska's traditional means of transportation was highlighted. All of the drivers and dogs were recognized as heroes, but particularly Kassan and Balto gained fame after their photos recreated in the town on February 2nd once it was light out, graced newspapers all over the world. The controversy that Seppala and some others maintained until his death was that Balto was not a very good sled dog and was not capable of being a lead dog, and that the lead dog of Kassan's team of 13 dogs was actually a dog named Fox. And the theory allegedly is that Kassan had told the media that Balto was the lead dog as he felt it was a more catchy name and that telling the media that the name of the dog who had led the team was Fox would be misleading and people would think that an actual fox had led the team. Seppala said that Balto had never led a sled team before or after that relay and that he wasn't capable but Kassan asserted that he had simply ignored Seppala's advice and he knew that Balto could do a good job and he placed Balto in the lead and it, he did well. So we'll probably never know the exact truth of how that went down. In any case, Balto and Fox both participated and did a great job and they were both great doggies. Kassan and Balto both became very famous and they wound up traveling the United States making appearances and money all over the place uh, in vaudeville circuits, theaters, that kind of thing. By December, a monument had been completed to the sled dogs in Central Park, New York City. The statue was mostly modeled after Balto in appearance, but did wear the medals that had been given to Togo, so it's kind of a mashup, and the statue actually is not labeled with the name of either dog. It's just dedicated to the sled dogs that helped with the serum run but people often call it the Balto statue. Kassan and Balto traveled to New York for the unveiling. After this, some assert due to jealousy from Seppala, who owned Balto and felt that Togo was the better dog or the, the more deserving dog of all the adulations. Uh, some people assert that out of jealousy, Seppala sold Balto to a sideshow in order to stop Kassan and Balto from circling the country and continuing to make these appearances. Although others counter that really the primary goal of owning all these dogs was to make a living from them, and since Balto was neutered, there was no other way to kind of make a profit from him because he couldn't uh, sire dogs like some of the other dogs could. In any case, it's kind of unceremonious. Uh, Balto gets sold off to a sideshow in Los Angeles, actually, which seems like a terrible place to live if you're a husky. Man, that just feels so hot, I would think. It's like you're wearing a sweater all the time. Uh, in the sideshow, he and some of the other dogs that were sold off were in terrible conditions. They were chained in this tiny enclosure. As jealous as Seppala was, I'm, I'm sure if he knew that that's the kind of conditions that they would have been living in, that he would not have uh, consented to that. Because the guy does seem to love his dogs, even if this isn't the uh, the number one dog in his heart. Um, 
fortunately, you know, there's a businessman from Cleveland, Ohio named George Kimball who kind of stumbles upon this sideshow with the sled dogs, realizes, holy cow, this is Balto. He's a hero. Why should he be living in these deplorable conditions? And he appeals to the school children of his hometown of Cleveland, Ohio, to put together the funds to buy the dogs to give them a nicer home. So bless their hearts, the school children of Cleveland, Ohio, hold a penny drive. They buy these dogs and they move them to the Cleveland Zoo where they live in the lap of luxury for the rest of their life. Uh, Balto winds up dying six years later, and he actually was mounted and donated to the Cleveland Museum of Natural History, where you can find Balto on display to this day, if you want to come pay your respects. Togo, who completed the longest, most perilous part of the journey and is possibly the greatest sled dog of all time, never quite got the same recognition as Balto. Although, I would note that I doubt Togo really seemed to mind. I think it's the humans in the story that probably seemed to mind more than anything. Uh, he and Seppala did make some public appearances. Togo even got a gold medal presented to him by polar explorer Roald Amundsen, and he retired to New England with Seppala. If you want an unlikely kind of strange villain in the story of Balto being sold off to the sideshow, there some people, uh, relatives of Kassen, uh, and and there may be some truth to this, I'm not sure, uh, assert that Amundsen was kind of behind pushing uh, Seppala to sell Balto to the sideshow to get Kassen out of the picture. So th there's maybe some like Norwegian scheming going on here for notoriety. But in any case, Seppala moves to New England with Togo and some of his other dogs. Uh, he and another partner open up a uh, farm where they're breeding these dogs and trying to establish this sled dog line. And they are successful. The uh, line of dogs descended from Togo exists to this day, actually. The uh, Sepala Siberian Husky. Uh, so that's a, that's a there's maybe three or four kennels, it looks like, in the world. Uh, I think there's three in Canada and one in Montana that breed the Sepala Siberian Husky. And they're all descended from Togo. So they're all like their 14th generation great-grandchildren or whatever. Togo passed away in 1929 at the age of 16 with Seppala holding him. Uh, he too was mounted, and he can be seen on display at the Iditarod Museum in Wasilla, Alaska, uh, which is a northern suburb of Anchorage, and is the spot where the 1,000-mile Iditarod sled dog race commences each year. His skeleton is also on display in a different location. It's at Yale, actually. So his remains kind of got split up. So there's two places, two options, if you want to go pay your respects to Togo, where you can go see him. I'd probably go for the Sled Dog Museum. I think it's probably more meaningful for him. Anyway, Togo eventually gets his due. A lot of people felt like Togo kind of got the shaft in terms of public recognition. Balto was much more in the public consciousness of the day. Togo gets his recognition with a movie that came out about a year ago featuring William Defoe as Seppala. Uh, so you can go see the movie Togo, where I think in some countries the title of the movie is The Great Alaskan Race. But I, I haven't seen it yet. Supposedly it's very good and reasonably accurate. So uh, hopefully you guys uh, enjoy that movie. Uh, William Defoe, very talented actor, of course. Interestingly enough, in this movie, uh, Togo, one of his descendants, a 14th generation descendant of Togo named Denali, is the dog that plays Togo in the movie, if you wanted like kind of a fun trivia fact to go with that, which I think that's outstanding. Togo is recognized by many as not only the greatest sled dog of all time, but arguably the most heroic animal to ever serve humankind.
The Alaska Natives, postal workers, and other sled dogs all received awards and thanks from officials and the public as well, but never got quite the same recognition as Kassen, Balto, Sepala, and Togo. While no musher perished, at least four dogs did lose their lives on the serum run from frostbite and hypothermia. And just to share the names of the other mushers, many of whom were postal workers and Alaskan natives, I'll read a list here. Uh, Wild Bill Shannon, Edgar Collin, Dan Green, Johnny Folger, Sam Joseph, Titus Nikolai, Dave Corning, Harry Pitka, Bill McCarty, Edgar Nolner, George Nolner, they were brothers, Charlie Evans, Tommy Patson, Jack Screw, Victor Onagic, Miles Gonigan, Henry Ivanoff, and Charlie Olson. For society in general, the story skyrocketed interest in the growing number of inoculations that were available to fight these fatal childhood diseases. The diphtheria vaccine was relatively new at the time, but courtesy of the stories of the heroics needed to save the town of Nome from disaster, interest in receiving the vaccine exploded, which is a good reminder for all of us that while the diseases for which we vaccinate children might sound old-fashioned, mild, obscure, Remember, there was a time when diphtheria, measles, mumps, polio, tetanus, all those diseases struck fear into the heart of every parent and were major sources of death and disability for children. We are always just one unvaccinated generation away from returning to a world in which infant and child death was normal and expected on some level. While the serum run demonstrated the reliability of Alaska's sled dog tradition, in some ways it was basically the last hurrah for the golden age of working sled dogs. Within just a couple of decades, plane technology advancements made air mail much more reliable, and World War II saw the construction of a much more sophisticated air travel infrastructure in Alaska. Snowmobiles, too, gained in popularity and replaced many of the practical applications of sled dog teams. In the 1960s, concern over the decline of sled dog tradition and a desire to preserve the area's heritage led the people of Wasilla, Alaska to try to create a sled dog event that would promote Alaska's sled dog traditions. Initially, they created a race called the Leonard Seppala Memorial Race to honor Seppala's memory. The race covered part of the Iditarod Trail, but it was kind of short in length and it had a very small purse of money that was available to the winner, so it was not super popular. Finally, in 1972, the decision was made to lengthen the trail from Wasilla all the way to Nome by way of Iditarod, the full 1,000 miles, and rebrand the race as the Iditarod as it used the Iditarod Trail and passed through that town. While the race isn't strictly for commemorating the Nome Serum Run and uses a different route over much of its length, the stretch from Shaktalik to Golovin recreates Seppala's route, including the perilous Norton Sound stretch that was so famous. The race is of course still run to this day with over 50 mushers each year. Pandemics are still having an effect on sled dog running in Alaska, as this year the Iditarod has been modified instead of being a one-way event it's going to be an out and back to the encampment of Iditarod and then back to Wasilla in order to maintain more social isolation for these outlying small towns in Alaska that would be very vulnerable to a huge COVID outbreak if it were to occur. Anyway, thank you for sharing this story with me. It was very fun researching this. Uh, I love dogs and reading this story about this meaningful service, uh, this great connection they have with their owners and these brave sled dog drivers. Uh, it's just awesome to hear, awesome to see this example of humans just being kind and making sacrifices for one another. 
and going out there and these guys were all heroes you know all risked their lives and some of those dogs you know gave their lives uh for this antitoxin to make it to that city so uh, a really inspiring story for all of us, I think. And some very good boys. I hope they all got a lot of treats and belly rubs. Uh, so I want to thank you for listening to Nerd Roamer. Like I said, you can find a list of our episodes on nerdroamer.com. Definitely check out the show notes there. A lot of times there will be links to extra articles, pictures, that kind of thing. Uh, our Instagram and Twitter accounts are at nerdroamer. Uh, so it's very easy to find us there. That way you'll be plugged in and you'll know if we release new episodes. With this pandemic still going on, I'm not sure exactly how frequently episodes will be coming out. You know, I think I might do some more of these deep dive ones. They'll come out at irregular intervals and they'll be kind of a treat for everybody, hopefully, when they come out. But we'll keep plugging away, you know, as I find interesting things and I get time to put content together for you guys. Uh, So I want to thank everybody for listening. And once again, Nerd Roamers, remember to roam wisely.